Dow. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of AM Minnesota. I have in full uniform in front of me the police chief of Faribault, John Sherwin. So obviously I need to be on my very best behavior. Good morning, John. Good morning, Gordy. Glad oh. to be here. You know, we're not meeting in the middle, but we're meeting in the studio. Yeah, so. we're right in the KDHL studio in downtown Faribault. It's been, what, a year and a half now? You've been the chief? Yeah, yeah, actually. And you've enjoyed it. Absolutely. You've done some interesting things like the, you know, benefit basketball game yeah. and the benefit softball game. And those have been fun. Yeah, and they've been fun. The turnout has been awesome by the community, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, we most recently had the, the softball event the end of uh, August there and city versus county. We don't need to talk about the results here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there was a winner, you know, Hope Center. Sure, one they got a nice, uh, nice check from all the donations and the people that turned out and um, put some money in a hat and um, you know sponsorship that we had. It was great time, good evening. The weather was perfect. Uh, hopefully, we have some more events like that coming up. And nobody uh, got injured, right? Uh, no one long term injured. You know, we did have one officer go down that took a ball in a sensitive location. Oh but, my! Uh, I don't know if uh, I saw that. <laughs> it was. It required a stoppage of the game, but he was fine. So, um, yeah, no, we uh, we had a great time, and it was good to get everybody out and see the community support there. Were you floored by the support? You know, I thought we'd get some people. I didn't think we'd have, you know, 400 is what I heard some people estimate. But, you know, first first baseline and third baseline were full all the way yeah, to the outfield. So. Of course, the day was perfect oh, weather perfect, perfect, yep. You know, that's a weather dependent thing yep for a good cause and uh uh, you know people are willing to come out and watch terrible softball for a good cause so uh, that was a lot of fun and hopefully we do it again you know we we already had some conversations uh what are we going to do in the winter maybe a i don't know a charity broom ball game or floor hockey or something where we could uh you know tie it to a winter activity or something but uh, we'll see well it'd be nice to be in a gym where it's warm yeah, or, you know, one of the outdoor ice rinks, you know, a little boot hockey. You know, that'd be kind of fun. Yep, they've been making some really nice improvements. I don't know if you've noticed up at Jefferson Elementary. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a popular place. And, I mean, here it is, change of seasons. We're getting close anyway. So, uh, you know, hard to believe next weekend will be October, I guess. So That's true. Now, are you staffed fully? In the uh, we are not. We're, we're, uh, we're down. We're down a few officers. Um Perhaps not quite the challenges of some other agencies in Minnesota, but uh, we are we are down officers. Um, we are hiring. We have actually hiring interviews scheduled next week. We had a few applicants, qualified applicants, and and we'll see what we can do. You know, we have uh, officers that still want to work here, and um, they I think. I'd like our reputation to build on the things that we do with our community, and and you know that's a draw for. For officers, especially younger officers that, that really want to give back and see a difference in, in the job they do. And I think we're we're kind of laying the foundation for that. Well, and I think when you came here, didn't you mention the fact that you saw some of the lawn signs supporting police? Absolutely, yeah. When you came here, yep. and that really caught your eye. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, a community that supports us. We feel it uh, every day. And um, part of what we're trying to do is 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 give back as well, you know, I mean. One could argue, well, you give back by the job you do. Yeah, but but we can do a little more too. Um, you know, we we it's part of the job. It's part of 
when you build community, you keep help keep a community safe, you know. And the goal is not to be the picnic police, right? Because that's not doing <laughs> what we what we need to do. But we can mix in a little of that community engagement type uh, activities to to really um, build those relationships with with members of the community that uh, hopefully uh, that has a lasting impression, right? If you have confidence in your police department and you have trust in your police department, you're more likely to be involved when crime happens because uh, you have uh, faith that we'll, we'll get things done. And, and, and um, that's, that's kind of the goal. So we were chatting before going on the air about a couple of mental health incidents at communities uh, not far from here, right? One was in Rochester, an hour away, up in Minneapolis, which is about an hour away. So yeah. um, obviously you probably see that even here, right? Yeah, I mean, mental health, um, boy, that's that's a, that's a discussion we could talk about for a long time. I mean, it's a, it's a problem not just locally or statewide. It's a, it's a national problem. Um, services for people that are uh, experiencing mental health crisis. Um, you know, most often that is just a personal issue. It's a family issue. Uh, sometimes it involves law enforcement and sometimes it involves crimes. Uh, not all the time, but, but sometimes. And when you have that spillover, uh, people always want to point fingers. Well, who's dropping the ball? You know, where's the, where, what's wrong with the system? But no one really does anything unless there's an issue, you know, uh, that's the challenge. So, you know, when you work in systems of government and things, you, you, you see, you see the gaps. Um, and you're not, and, and unfortunately law enforcement, we're forced to fill that gap. Right. And, and you're not helping those people necessarily if you put them in a prison setting. Right? Oh yeah. Right. The treatment's the answer. Um, right. You know, because if you have someone who's, um, who's not normally criminally minded, but they're in a mental health crisis and a crime's committed, what what are you going to do by punishing the crime? I mean, you really have to treat the symptom. Um, yeah, that, that's a challenge. You know, I know I know there's some efforts that are being made. You know, Rice County has a great support and infrastructure uh, that ties government services with social services, especially when it comes to cont- controlled substance and other issues that plague society. Um, and I know that they're trying to make some headway with mental health as well. Um, you know, you've heard of drug courts. Well, a new concept is a mental health court where someone who uh, maybe has criminal repercussions, but the underlying issue is mental health. Uh, perhaps those people need to be approached different in the criminal justice system. So, you know, there's there's grants and other things out there that um, I know that there's efforts being made to secure to try and uh, try and help that. Um, so that's kind of wait and see. Yeah, we're going to talk more about this, I'm sure. But one could argue, right, anybody that commits crimes has to be a little off kilter. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, very few people are uh, criminal-minded at birth, right? right. Yeah, um, they don't. That's, you know, most people deal with a multitude of issues that impact decisions to commit crimes, whether it's drug use, mental health, uh, lack of funds, um or opportunity, right? Uh, because there, there are, it takes all all types, but um, really, you know, there there are root causes to crime, and uh, they're not all just poverty. Um, you know, oftentimes, it's uh, uh, there are many people who have very little means who never commit crime, right? Um, so it's it's uh, 
It's a challenge. We're going to visit more with the police chief right now. We need to get that opening market reporter. Jerry will have my hide. Our opening market report is a service of Community Co-op Oil Association, Ferbo. They've been around since 1925. T&W Towing is your air cushion recovery expert. Soybeans, corn, cattle, and hogs are lower on Thursday morning. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. With Stein, growers have access to decades of knowledge from the experts who will ensure you get the yield benefits their products can bring. Stein, dedicated to yield, committed to you. Soybeans are lower on fund liquidation as harvest moves forward. And while there are some minor delays and some yield concerns, it is early. USDA is already projecting a very tight supply, so any cuts to yield would have an impact. November beans are down 18 and three quarters at 13.01 and a quarter. January 17 and a half lower at 13.18 and a half. October bean meal also seen some fund liquidation is down 470 at 392.50. October soybean oils 42 points lower at 60.26. Corn's down this morning, uh, watching harvest activity, expecting some near-term delays and keeping an eye on yield reports. Weekly export numbers were bearish with Brazil and Ukraine taking up a lot of the market share. December's uh, four lower at 478 and a quarter. March is down three and three quarters at 493. And wheat's lower. The big bearish influence there continues to be the slow export demand for U.S. wheat. December Chicago's four and a quarter lower at 584 and a half. Uh, cotton's down and rice is mostly lower, both expecting better harvest weather. December cotton 64 lower at 86.22 and November rice is down five and a half at 15.90 and a half. Live and feeder cattle are lower with yesterday's drop in box beef, waiting for widespread direct business and Friday's cattle on feeder port. October lives down a dollar twenty-five at one eighty-five fifty-two, and December's one thirty-two lower at one ninety-twenty. October feeders are down two twelve at two fifty-eight forty-seven. November feeders are a dollar sixty-seven lower at two sixty-three ninety. And hogs are pressured by yesterday's lower closing pork and uh, continued concerns about sustained domestic demand. October leans down one ninety-five at eighty-three eighty-two, and December hogs are two eighty-two lower at seventy-five forty-two. John Perkins. Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Get our opening market report of service of your KDHL Agri Boosters 321Fence. Go to 321FenceINC.com. 321FenceINC.com. They specialize in top quality fences for residential and commercial properties. Northland Buildings, quality post frame construction. Head to NorthlandBuildings.com. Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency over in Nearstrand. Craig helps protect all things that are close to your heart. We have the police chief, John Sherwin, in studio. We've been talking about mental health, and it's such a big issue. We were talking about a couple of incidents uh, off the air before we went on the air. Uh, There was a stabbing up in Minneapolis or an obviously mentally deranged person uh, when the police officer showed up held the knife up and said, you're looking for this. I just wanted to know what it felt like to stab a guy. That obviously is somebody who's not of right mind. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And that's a challenge. And and who knows? I mean, you know, the controlled substance crisis is is such an issue in this country. And oftentimes uh, they're co-mixed, right? So if you have mental health issues and then you're under the influence of uh, substance. Um, it's a recipe for um, unexplained behavior often. Showing you how ruthless people are. Right. 
sure. in Minneapolis in this incident, as I understand it, the guy's laying there dying, mm-hmm. and somebody comes and steals the bicycle. Yeah. They just take the bicycle. Yeah, it's a sad commentary on on society. You know, I've, I've seen videos like that. You know, people uh, will be crime victims and then or medical victims need help and someone takes their wallet or um, you know, goes through their pockets. And um, uh, that that's there's something wrong when that happens. Right. That's that's a reflection on. It's pretty cold blooded, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree. And you were saying you heard of a similar incident in Rochester. Yeah, a similar incident with a, a, a individual that's stabbed by a man who uh, uh, had been thinking about what's it like to stab someone, and, and these were random random crimes. You know, you know the the random crimes get the attention. Uh, that's not what we generally see in law enforcement. Obviously, victims and offenders are uh, more often than not known. Um, but it's the random crimes that lead to fear, uh, that lead to uh, issues. You know, uh, thankfully we haven't had a lot of that here. Um, obviously, our community is not immune to crime, but uh, you know, it's the random nature that grabs everyone wants attention. I, I know, recently in Minnetonka, uh, they had a packed city hall, uh, city council meeting with concerns about crime. Uh, due to a high-profile carjacking that they had that was seemingly random. So um, it, it, it's things like that that, that cause concern and, and, and really drive fear. And, and um, you know, our goal is to eliminate crime, um, but there are, uh, you know, things that happen, and it, it may not be a reflection of overall safety, um, but obviously those things can, can, ca- can cause concern. So if something should happen to someone like that, uh, obviously the first course of action would be to call authorities. Yeah, and, you know, obviously if, if someone is in a situation where they've been threatened or robbed, uh, you know, the, the, best, the best advice is compliance. Um, your car's not worth it. Your, your wallet's not worth it. Credit cards can be canceled. Um, you know, compliance with... with uh, someone can often lead to a more positive outcome. Um, you know, that's what we encourage. That's what our job is. Our job is to chase bad guys and go after offenders. Um, and, and we really uh, want people to to, uh, to to get through things safely if, if they were to become a victim and, and be a good witness, right? Make sure you note details. Um, those things help. Now, there was that prisoner who escaped in Pennsylvania yeah, they had the big search out for him. Right. He stole a gun in a garage of mm-hmm. a person who shot at him. Correct. Obviously, it wasn't a very right. good shot because he didn't hit him, right? Well, yeah. But, I mean, the circumstance, right? I wouldn't judge someone's marksmanship well, based yeah, on a, but, a but, nighttime uh, garage home invasion. But yeah, I was told that in Minnesota, you can't do that. You can't defend your property. Well, it depends on the circumstance, right? I mean, some states have like uh, castle doctrine that says your home is your castle, and immediate it's assumed that uh, you can immediately shoot someone, right? Well, it's if all it's all in the now. circumstance and, and um, articulation. Like, obviously, uh, in this case, if uh, you know all the residents were alert that there was a wanted murderer on the loose, he encountered someone in his garage who was taking a weapon and the, the homeowner had a weapon, um, that's self-defense, right? You, it, people's actions have to be reasonable. Um, 
But if someone is breaking into your home in the middle of the night, uh, the assumption is generally that their intentions aren't aren't good. Um, but, you know, you hear tragic cases from communities. I, I heard of one uh, college student in, I believe it was South Carolina or Georgia, who was uh, intoxicated and impaired and entered the wrong home, likely because they were intoxicated and impaired and they were a college student and the homeowner shot and killed them. Um, you know, that's that's tough because uh, there are many people who that could have been them when they were 21 years of age. Yep. Um, you know, so it, it is, uh, you have to be smart. You have to be careful. If you're a, a gun owner, um, you have to know the law. You have to know uh, your rights and responsibilities. And, and by all means, please train, train, train. Um, I would not advise anyone to carry a gun unless they're proficient with it. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, uh, uh if you're not proficient, a gun could be used against you uh, during during a crime incident. Um, so, it's uh, I just encourage people that if they are going to carry weapons and use their constitutional rights to to make sure they train and they're proficient. Um, I have no issues with that whatsoever. So. Yeah, we still have a fair number of people I know who are carrying. Yeah, absolutely, and and you never know because um, they're carrying. Um, you know, there is. Uh, I, I find it a little ironic that. Um, well, there was a few years back. There was an issue because uh, um, uh, the NFL decided to not allow anyone to carry a weapon into a sports stadium. Well, if you remember, the Minnesota uh, Police Officers Association sued the NFL, saying that off-duty police officers should be able to carry firearms because the state law allows us to in any public place. Um, and there was a lot of outrage from, well, not outrage, but there was uh, some issues from the public saying, well, I don't want police officers carrying guns. Well, I found it ironic because I carried a gun everywhere I went, but no one ever knew. Uh, I would attend Twins games or Timberwolves games uh, with, with a firearm, and no one knows. And, and the reason why is because as a police officer, you know, that you take that oath and um, things happen and I want to be able to defend the public and others uh, regardless. Um, so I carry a firearm off duty, but no one ever knows because you don't see it and you don't know it. Um, and and I, I think that um, most licensed uh, permit holders do the same. And uh, I don't worry about someone legally carrying a gun. I worry about someone who illegally is carrying a gun. So, And you hope you never have to use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No that's one the, will ever see it, right? That's Unless the whole goal. I need to use it. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, school resource officers, I know we discussed this before. Mm-hmm. And yep. if, I, if I'm paraphrasing what you said, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time you were here, you basically said, you know, I don't have an issue with this because we have such a re- good relationship with the local school district. Is that pretty much what you said? Yeah, I mean, there there is this whole thing is a big moving target, right? The... Uh, it's become very political, and um, in fact, last night the attorney general just issued an, a, a differing opinion a that clarified opinion. the initial opinion on what changes to the um, the corporal punishment statute um, relate to and how they apply to police officers, which I think will add even further clarification. You know, um, even though uh, you know I had discussed this whole issue with the city attorney, uh, with the officers who are in the schools. I have great confidence in my 
school resource officers. They're highly trained. They're use of force instructors. They're experienced. They understand the law. Uh, and they want to remain in the schools. Um, and we're working on signing the contract for the school year still with our school district. Our officers are there today. Um, if you go to the middle or high school, you'll encounter a school officer. And the school wants them there too. Absolutely. We have a yeah. great relationship with our school district, Superintendent Benty. Um, and I have talked about this issue. Actually, we just talked last night again. Um, but, you know, this is something that is a 20-year relationship. I think the community wants to have and parents want to have officers in the school because we're not just a security presence. We're mentors. You know, I just watched a, uh, a six-minute video that our officers uh, participated in for bicycle safety that's been shown to all the students at the middle school. Um, it's things like that 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 school uh, resource officer relationship encourage and bring about. Um, so I don't want to remove officers from the schools, and I think the uh, Attorney General's recent opinion last night even further clarifies why um, uh, there aren't legal concerns that prevent that. Uh, now there are chiefs that have removed their officers, and I respect that. I understand their logic and reasoning, but um, for me, I've got to look at the bigger picture of community safety and school safety, my confidence that I have in our officers locally, uh, their comfort with being in the schools, and and I don't we don't plan to remove officers. So it's kind of where we're at. You know, it is a moving target. I know the governor. There's calls for special sessions and other things. I'm not sure with the uh, last uh, the opinion that came out last night from the Attorney General that that is even necessary now. Um, it's my understanding that uh, there's a commitment f- from this to be brought up early in the uh, when the legislature confers and and to get something done February March next year when when things start to happen up in St. Paul again. So until that time, I think this opinion is a good bridge, uh, and I'm comfortable with where we're at with our officers and I really hope the politics um, are removed from this and and it's viewed for what it is. Like this is a community safety issue, has nothing to do with left or right uh, and and we just go from there. Yeah. I know you were saddened obviously by the recent passing of a individual in the custody of of your department. I know there's not a lot you can talk about this. But the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension is doing an investigation, right, on this? That's correct. We had uh, an individual who died uh, in police custody um, in early September over Labor Day weekend. Uh, I was made aware in the middle of the night of the circumstances that were going on and, um, you know, directed, uh, directed us to contact the BCA to turn over the case to them. Um, I have, they have since taken over that case and are investigating um and i've actually had conversations with the family members of the deceased and met with them uh, and and tried to share as much as we can uh, in the interest of transparency including uh, letting them watch uh, relevant uh, squad car and body cam videos of the incident and how it transpired and um hoping to try and get them the answers that they that they need Uh, and that's kind of where we're at we're waiting for the bca to complete their uh, investigation uh, and then they'll turn that over to the local county attorney uh, who will um, make a decision on if they're going to review it or send it out to um, uh, another uh, prosecutor to review. 
Um, this is handled as a death investigation. Um, there were no um, the circumstances of the incident. Um, there were no uh, there was no use of force. No police instruments were used. This was someone that was in custody that experienced uh, 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 an incident and or an issue and became unresponsive. So. But the initial arrest was prompted by. The initial arrest was related to a traffic stop and a slow pe- slow speed um, vehicle pursuit. Uh, the individual was suspected to be an impaired driver. Um, didn't initially stop. Uh, there was no, uh, like I said, very slow speeds, 10 to 15 miles per hour that were um, concluded and terminated by an officer who used a, a pursuit intervention technique to um, to stop the individual from driving. And then he was taken into custody without any force used. How long do you think the investigation, these vary, do they? Or? They vary, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would hate to say. Um, I ho- hope to have resolution within another month or so. Um, but that that can vary. Um, there are different factors, caseload of investigators from the BCA, other things that, that determine. But their their goal is always to have uh, a quick quick investigation um, as possible. Yeah, earlier we talked about the fact that you're not at full force yet. Yep, correct. You're almost always in a state of interviewing, aren't you? Yeah, really. I mean, we have not been fully staffed um, from the day I've been hired. You're always one or two officers behind. It's tough to get ahead. And and really, there's not a lot of applicants. There are... uh, 200 law enforcement agencies hiring police officers in Minnesota, 200, and many of them have multiple uh, job openings, like Minneapolis has over 200 job openings. So um, when you when you crunch the numbers and, you know, there's probably an openings for close to 1,000 police officers and sheriff's deputies in Minnesota, state troopers as well, and I, you know, there's not many applicants, so... There's not a lot of law enforcement students, but there's a lot of opportunity for potential law enforcement students in the future. So scholarships, um, financial assistance for uh, choosing that law enforcement as a career. So um, I hope I hope the tide turns a little bit and we're beyond the uh, negativity that surrounded the, you know, the George Floyd incident and, and other things. And that we have a, a future generation of police officers who want to be a part of the change and be a difference and make a difference because quite frankly i see the difference that our officers make every day um it's a rewarding career it's something uh where the job's different every day um and and i really hope that young officers uh, young young individuals realize that and there's money to be made i mean the um the uh starting wages for police officers are are very high Compared to, you know, twenty five years ago, or something. right, right, and, and other even entry level, um, you know, I mean, entry level professional positions. Uh, you know, uh, there's a young man who's very close to me that happens to be my son who uh, has an accounting degree, and uh, you know, he's new in his career, um, and his wages are comparable to or a little bit less than a starting police officer. So. It just goes to show you there are there's there's opportunity for um, young people out there. Did he ever consider law enforcement? You know that's interesting. Uh, I don't 
I don't know. I never encouraged it. I never discouraged it. Um, but, uh, you know, he chose his own path, and I'm proud of what he's doing. So. Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and John Sherwin is the police chief for the city of Faribault. Well, let's see here. You're going to be with us before Halloween, right? Yeah, generally, hopefully sometime the third week there. In, yeah, uh, so, so we can talk about Halloween yeah. then. Yep, yep. Uh, we have Halloween some events safety. planned. Yep, yep. People, you know, masks and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yep. Uh, no, the fire chief's with me tomorrow. I'm sorry for you. And we may. <laughs> we may. <laughs> I would say that if, if Dusty was, was sitting next to me. No, so. I know. Yeah, no. Yeah, but uh, I think we're going to touch a little bit on the drought yeah, because for he's sure. also it's our emergency great. management yeah. director. We're in the extreme category, so yeah, it's kind of sad, really. Yeah, it is. I know the uh, the river is looking very sad, and Oatana has implemented a no irrigation, no watering your lawn. Really, a ban through the end of September. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're going to have a good opportunity for some rain this weekend. So. I sure hope so. We could use it. The best thing you could do is put in a watering ban because that, and you know, it's going to rain, right? Exactly. Yep. Right yep. after that. Yep. But I got about a minute left. Is there anything you, any message you want to deliver to the community? No, I think we're, you know, we're transitioning from our our, our summer mode to uh, to fall and the upcoming events that we have coming up. You know, we've got a busy October planned with um, Shop with a Cop uh, and and some other events that that are taking place. So, um, you know, we look forward to the change in seasons and. Uh, you know, your police department's turning pumpkin spice, so just like everything else. All right. October, so. Appreciate it, John. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Gordy. John Sherwin is the police chief for the city of Faribault. As I said, Dustin Deanst, our fire chief and emergency management director for the city, will be my guest tomorrow on AM Minnesota.